0: We are Centrepoint Church. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering. We hope you can join us at the Odeon Cinema in Guildford, some days at 10am. Enjoy the message. The lead pastor here at uh, Centrepoint Church. It's so good to, to be together. I love it when we gather together each week to to pray, to worship, to hear God's word. And uh, if you're new, then uh, you're so welcome. It's good to have you with us. And um, I just want to thank all those that were able to make the vision focus evening. Uh, it was a vision evening that we had earlier on in the week on Wednesday evening, or whether you made it on the night or caught up through our Facebook Live, we, we sort of posted the hour or so up there. Uh, thanks so much for catching up with all the news that we shared then. Um, on the evening we really shared our our heart about how every single person is important to us we love everyone and uh, we want to make church accessible for everyone and so we mentioned about these life groups where we're focusing on fun food and friendship together and also exploring faith so it doesn't matter whether you're at the very start of your journey in faith and you're kind of just, what's this all about? Or whether you've been kind of a Christian donkey's years, um, they're for you and they're for all ages. Um, and uh, yeah, as, as uh, John mentioned, they, they sort of start this week. And uh, if you're new in your uh, guest bag, you'll, you'll have a, a little card about the, the life groups. And, uh, and if you uh, weren't there or you haven't been able to get a card to sign up for one, do grab one at, at the back at the end. Also, um, we mentioned not just about that group, we also mentioned about um, Students in Twenties, and I see we've got a bunch of new Students in Twenties here today, it's so good to see you. I know I've met a few already, and um, you know what, Uh, We we really care and love you guys and so uh, for the next four weeks starting from next Sunday we're going to give you a meal after church every single Sunday and uh, we've also got every other week throughout the term we have a student evening meeting which Sam's going to lead, some of you have met Sam and uh, you'll get food there as well and so what you can do is you can come one week to a students and 20s meeting and then the following week to a life group as you get to know p- other people in the church and then you can go to your students and twenties meeting and get food and you go to a life group and you get food and, and then the students and and then you can come to the newcomers lunch and get food again And so you had a four weeks of student lunches and you come to the newcomers lunch and get lunch with me as you get to know me more too and there's lots to be going on you know don't look around and think this is it this is the finished article there's lots that God is calling us to do as a church and so if you've got a gift then you know or, or you're just you we want you to be part of us and you can join us you can join our, our worship teams, our our groups, you can join our our youth work, which we're looking at launching out. You can join any group you like. There is a place for you. You You're so welcome. And uh, I hope you feel that way too. So um, we're going to be carrying on our we have started a series last week called Church as God Intended, and this is going through the book of 1 Corinthians, and uh, you don't need to have been here last week to be able to access today's talk, but I'm just letting you know that we started, and today we're going to be looking at life in the spirit. Just before we get there, some of you might not know this, but when I was uh, younger, I used to box, and um, yeah, a bit like Anthony Joshua yesterday, although perhaps not quite as good. And uh, he, uh, yeah, basically, I, so I used to box, and um, there was one point I'd, I kind of got quite good, and um, so I, I used to have my own kit. So I had, had my boxing gloves, Bang! so I was always in the blue corner, I had uh, my uh, a top, which I'd wear, so back there amateurs wore tops, we didn't go naked, uh, as in topless, we, we, wore, uh, <laughs> we wore tops. And um, I also had, uh, had my shorts, and um, I particularly loved these shorts because um, I engraved some words on the back, you see, because this is what I would do. I would uh, go and I'd be in the boxing ring fighting, and when I knock someone out, I would turn around and on the back would say, God bless. <laughs> and uh, I, I thought, you know, got to be, bring a bit of Christianity into my, into my boxing. Anyway, when I was um, training, when I was in the boxing ring training, when I was uh, at the gym, there was this slogan that said this, fail to prepare, then prepare to fail. And this is quite a worldly slogan, but there is some kind of truth behind it. It's true, if you fail to prepare for your exams, then you should prepare to fail that exam. Um, If you fail to prepare for a driving test then you should prepare to fail. If you fail to prepare for a fight in a boxing ring, you should be prepared to be knocked out. And later on in the chapter we're about to read, we're going to find that Paul gives the Corinthians church a bit of a knockout punch. And uh, he, thankfully, he doesn't just knock them out, walk away and say, God bless you, see you later. No, instead, he, the whole letter is about him sharing encouraging and loving words because he wants the best for this church. He wants them to grow in spiritual maturity and be prepared for all that life might bring to them. You see, they had failed to understand really what it means to live life in the spirit. Paul basically calls them babies. He, he, later on, he talks about how, you know, he wants to give them meat, but all he can give them right now is milk, because they're like babies. And he he says, like, when I planted this church, you weren't ready for the meat. And even now that I'm writing to you, a few years later, you're still not ready. And he's frustrated. And it's because these guys have, have kind of failed to prepare themselves in all the things that it means to be saved by grace, that it means to be a Christian. And they're faffing around getting into arguments. And so last week we looked at no divisions and how uh, our unity is based on Jesus. And this week we're going to look at what does it mean to live life in the spirit. And so throughout, let me just give you a bit of background. Throughout 1 Corinthians, we find Paul talking loads, oh yeah, talking loads on different issues. There's lots of different issues that come up throughout this letter. And what he's doing, he's trying to lay down some key foundation stones for his for this church. And so as we go through this book, that's exactly what we're doing. We're focusing on what does it look like? What does church look like as God really intended it? As Paul saw it, what does church look like? What are these key foundations? And so, so far we found that Corinth, it was a church where it was based in Greece, And uh, at the time of writing, it was a major metropolis. People from all over used to come to this area. Slaves and uh, and freedmen would come to that area. You'd have all kind of different business ventures, and it was a trade hub. There would be different philosophers and thinkers would come there. The the kind of culture of the day was that people would try to climb the economic ladder and also climb the social ladder. That's what this place was like. Um, Lots of different ideas about the gods and the universe and and kind of worldviews and thinking was all at this place. It was a place where these great philosophers and worldviews, they would share their different thoughts and they would impress people with their spoken word. They would impress people by how, how kind of clever they were and how articulate they are and how well they were able to present their, their arguments. And so people would go after some and people would go after others and that all came into the church. And so last week we saw how some people went after Apollos and, oh, I follow Apollos and some people, oh, I follow Paul and I, and I follow Peter and there was causing division among the church because they were letting this culture come in. And um, here's a little bit of background to Paul. In Acts 16... Paul was doing really well. He was going around strengthening churches, and he was having great success. He even finds a guy called Timothy who who helps him, and they make a really good friendship and partnership. He sees a new church planted in a place called Philippi, and Paul leaves Philippi, having planted that church and having been released from prison, and he goes into Acts 17 where he goes into a place called Thessalonica. And Thessalonica, whereas he's had great success, and now in Thessalonica, he's starting to have some trouble. And so Acts 17 talks talks about what happens in Thessalonica, and there's a big riot. And the riot starts, and Paul has to flee in the middle of the night for his life. He he has to run away because people are trying to get him and kill him. He then goes on to a place called Berea, and Berea is not much better either. And it doesn't go well there. And this time, he has to flee again. But he, this time, he has to leave all his companions behind. And for Paul, this is this is not good. Because Paul works in team. He loves team. And now, in the middle of the night, he's got to go. He's got to flee. He's got to leave his team behind. And he's all by himself. And kind of shows the urgency of which he had to leave. He's lost all his travelling companions. And um, he's, he's kind of... He's had to moved on. And... He arrives in a place called Athens. And uh, in Athens, Paul is distressed. And he ends up going to a place called Mars Hill. Has anyone ever been there in Athens? Hey, wonderful. It's a good, nice place. Yeah. He goes to Mars Hill and he uses all the knowledge and all the wisdom that he can gather to speak to the people there in Mars Hill. In fact, many people look at the preacher in Acts 17 about how Paul is tries to be all things to all people. And he, what he does is he, he takes part of the Athens culture and he, he, he brings in the gospel by looking at the culture there. And he takes part of their wisdom and he brings in the gospel by looking at their wisdom. And he uses real great rhetoric and well-spoken words and a real, a real amazing appeal. And only a few people get saved. It's quite disappointing for Paul. The, the kind of people around are like, oh... Yeah, that's nice, Paul. It's all, it's all well and good what you've just said, but hmm, we'll 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 just check out other views as well. There's, there's not much impact, and um, he's he's kind of disappointed, and he leaves Athens, not having not even planted a church there. He leaves Athens and he goes on to Corinth, to Corinth, and that's where he gets to chapter eighteen, which we looked at last week about how he planted the church in Corinth, and he started laying down these uh, foundations, and um, Paul knew that he was coming to a dangerous place. As he arrives in Corinth, he's coming to a dangerous place. He's been chased out of the last few areas that he's been with. And he's tried all the eloquent stuff. He's tried all the wisdom stuff. He's tried bringing in the culture and all these different things. And now we find that he's getting back to basics. Paul decides, you know what, I need to get back to basics. And so in chapter 1, Paul talks about God using the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. And about how only to boast in Jesus. And here in chapter 2, he carries on. And so hopefully you found 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We're going to read it together. It will appear on the screen as well. And at the beginning of chapter 2, it says this. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence and or human wisdom as I proclaim to you the testimony about God, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He tried all the wisdom stuff and it wasn't working. He's getting back to basics. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. Of course he was fearful because he was worried about his life. He's just been chased out the last few cities. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom but on God's power. But we're going to keep reading the rest. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written... Oh, sorry, I'm meant to be clicking, aren't I? Oh, you doing it for me. Good man. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. This is telling us that the Holy Spirit is God. That's how how he knows what God thinks. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. The person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And now comes the knockout blow. Just into chapter three, we're just going to read the first few verses. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, worldly. Mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you are not ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. You're still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among me, and are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? Let's just pray, shall we? Father God, I just want to thank you so much for your word. Thank you for this letter that Paul has written. Lord, we're just reminded that um, Paul wrote this letter to his church in Corinth. It was for people to hear and to understand. I pray this morning, Lord God, give us understanding. Help us, Lord, to be people who are full of the Holy Spirit who live a life in the spirit, who know what it means to be saved by grace, who knows what it means to be loved by you and cherished by you, who knows what it means to, be, to live our life in all the fullness that it, that it is to be a son or a daughter of God. And so I just pray this morning, would you, would you, bring, yeah, would you send your Holy Spirit amongst us now? Would you be with us, Lord God? I pray, would you yeah, reveal yourself to us more and more? Amen. Amen. Okay, so Paul had tried all the wisdom that he could muster in Athens and now he's going back to basics, he's going back to life in the spirit. And uh, you know, whoever you are here this morning, I want you to know this, that if you've you've already put your trust in Jesus, that is not because you are somehow cleverer than everyone else who hasn't. It's not because you're somehow wiser than everyone else. No, it's because God in his grace and his mercy made you alive in Christ. He, he filled you with his Holy Spirit and he made you alive. And because you are made alive, you can then respond. If I dragged in a dead body in here this morning, then it doesn't matter how well I preach, that body can, cannot respond, can it? Hello, wake up. No, nothing, it's dead. But when it's made alive in Christ, well then, and it hears the gospel, then it can respond to the call of the gospel. It wasn't that the, that we first loved God, but he first loved us and filled us with his spirit and made us alive to him so that when we hear the gospel, we can then respond. And so if you don't know Jesus yet this morning, then, hey, you're not here by mistake. Maybe God, in his wisdom, is just working in you, starting to fill you with his spirit so that you are able to respond. You know, at the end of today's meeting, I want to give us all a chance to respond. Not just to the gospel, but also to respond to being filled with the Holy Spirit. To respond to to coming into God's presence. And so I want to encourage you, don't harden your heart this morning. Ephesians 2, verse 4 and 5 says, Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our sins and our transgressions. And it's by grace that you've been saved. And so Paul, Paul is he is reminding us already, straight away, right from the start, that it doesn't matter um, how good or bad you have been. It doesn't matter how well you've read your Bible or not. Anyone can come into God's presence and be filled with his Holy Spirit. Anyone is welcome. Anyone is invited to come and to know him. Paul reminds the Corinthian church this because there is it's, for, for them, it's all about being clever and wise. And, oh, well, I like Apollos' teaching. And I like Paul's teaching. And I like Peter's teaching. And he's like, forget all of that. Let's get back to basics. Let's get back to Jesus. That's what it means to live life in the spirit. And, uh, and so uh, we're going to do the same. We're going to go back to basics. And um, Sorry, I'll, I'll keep putting my Bible down. I should leave it open, really. In, in verse, the reason why is because this, this points us to it. In verse 7 says, no, we declare God's wisdom. This wisdom is a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. Do you know, God made you, he knitted you in your mother's womb before time began. And not only that, this passage tells us that God in his mystery before time began, also destined that you would be filled with his Holy Spirit. That, he, that you would come to know him in greater depth and greater power. In verse 10, it says, These are the things, all these things, these, these mysteries, these things that no eye has seen or no ear has heard, these are the things that God is revealing to us by his Spirit. It's by his Holy Spirit that he reveals us things. In verse 12, it says, um, What we have received is not the spirit of this world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God is freely given to us. That God's grace, his forgiveness, his mercy, his peace, all these things that God wants to give us and bless us, and he wants to give people that put their trust in Jesus, are things that are revealed to us, not by human wisdom or clever understanding, they're revealed to us by an encounter with his Holy Spirit. The person of Jesus, through his Holy Spirit, reveals the Father's love for, for you and for me. That's so why it's so important as Christians that we, we make opportunities to come and be filled with the Holy Spirit. We make opportunities to come and to know God's, God's presence amongst us. And uh, yeah. And so Paul gets the back to basics. I wanted to get back to basics a little bit as well. Let me, let me uh, talk about a few things. So there's basics and there's also more for the mature. Let's start with the basics. First thing is that the Holy Spirit is God. That's who it is. Now, you might, you might think this is simple, but it's just good to, to lay down. The testimony of the Bible from cover to cover is that God is three in one. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and so right at the beginning in Genesis chapter one verse two, we find that the Spirit of God hovered over the surface of the waters. Right, He's right there at the beginning. In verse twenty-six, God says, "Let us make man in our image." He uses the word "us" and "our." They're not the royal "us" or the royal "we." He's talking about team Trinity. We're going to make men and women in our image. And, and he, he is, he, we, what we hear is that, that that is the image of God, Father, and Holy Spirit. They're all equally God. In verse 4 and 5, what we just read, it says, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, Spirit with a capital S, so the Holy Spirit's power. And then he says, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. He equates the Holy Spirit's power with God's power. It's one and the same. That's what Paul is saying. He, tell, he reminds us hey, the Holy Spirit is God. And he has personality. And, uh, oops. He has personality. And he is a he. He's not an it. The Holy Spirit is, is a person of God. If someone rang me up and said, oh, is, is your wife available? And I turned around and said, sorry, it, it's not here right now. That, that's not kind thing to say, is it we we don't talk about people in terms of it oh yeah oh 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 yeah yeah she's just over there no it's just over there but no we don't say that we say she or he the Holy Spirit is a he it's a person and and because he is a person he can be grieved in ephesians four verse 30 we we find that encouraged do not grieve the Holy Spirit we're encouraged not to grieve the Holy Spirit He can be grieved we can we can hurt hurt not hurt him but we can we Can offend the Holy Spirit by the things that we do he can speak in one Timothy four of one it says the spirit clearly says that in later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits. The Holy Spirit can speak to people and he can speak to you even today. The Holy Spirit desires things in Galatians five six to seventeen it says this so I say, walk by the spirit, and you will not grat- gratify the desires of the flesh that 's like your sinful nature for the for the flesh for the sinful nature desires what's contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. There are things that the spirit desires and uh, he also gives gifts. In 1 Corinthians 12 we find that the Holy Spirit gives gifts. To one he gives wisdom, to another he gives knowledge, to another he gives healing and all of these are by the same spirit. In uh, verse 11 of uh, chapter 12 it says all of these are the work of the same spirit and he distributes them as he determines. And so He makes decisions. The Holy Spirit makes decisions. Uh, He he is God. He has personality and he can do all these things. If you contrast that with electricity, because electricity is powerful, isn't it? The electricity has power. But can it be grieved? No? Oh, sorry, I put too many plugs into you today. Or um, I'm really sorry I hurt your feelings. Does it speak? No. Does it give gifts? Oh, here's a shock for you, Alan. (laughs) Oh. Here's a shot for you, Kezia. Yeah? No, it doesn't, doesn't do those things. It doesn't have personality. It's a force. And like the Holy Spirit is not, may the force be with you. It's not, it's not that. He's a, he's a person. He's, he's a he. It's not a force to try to grapple or handle or get hold of. You know, you, in fact, you can't do those things. You can't control the Holy Spirit. Sometimes people try to do that. It's not something to be controlled. In fact, uh, I don't know if you remember the story, but in Acts chapter 8... Uh, the disciples are going around and they're laying hands on people and filling people with the Holy Spirit and then Simon the sorcerer, he, he sees this happen he thinks, oh, I want a piece of that. And so uh, in chapter 8 verse 17 it says, Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Then Simon the sorcerer saw that the Spirit was give, being given by the laying on of hands by the apostles and so he offered the apostles money. And said, hey, can you give me this ability also? Here's some money, you give me this ability so that I can do the same. And Peter says, hey, may your money perish with you. Because you thought you could buy the gift of God. You thought you could buy the Holy Spirit of money. You've got no part to share in this ministry. You know, the, the, the Spirit is not something you can control. It's not something you can manipulate or use or grapple with. Instead, it flips it on its head. The Holy Spirit wants to help you to control your life. Gives you self-control. The Holy Spirit can help you do that. The Holy Spirit wants to help you to get a grip of your life and to walk in all the fullness that it means to be saved by grace. He wants to, um, to use you for God's purposes rather than you trying to use it for the things that you want to do. You, sometimes people want to have the Holy Spirit so that this miracle can happen, so that I can feel good. And you know what? God just wants a friend to walk through the journey of life. With, and he does that through the Holy Spirit. He can work in you and talk to you. And the thing is is that most people, this passage revealed to us in verse 12, either ridicule or resist the Holy Spirit. They don't want anything to do with it. What we have received is not the Spirit of this world, but the Spirit of God. And verse 14 says, The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness. And cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. For everyone who's not a Christian and who has not been made alive in Christ, the Holy Spirit is either misunderstood, ridiculed or resisted. I wonder, what about you? Where are you at? Where's your heart? Are you resistant to the things of the Holy Spirit in your life? You know, you can get to know him. You can talk to him. Don't harden your heart. He works in our lives and his job is to point us to God and Jesus, his son. He doesn't force you to do anything. But he's willing you to to grow in all that it means to know God. It's easy to want to resist the Holy Spirit in your life and just be happy. I'm happy with Jesus and God over here. But the Spirit is what reveals God to us. Reveals these hidden mysteries. Reveals. In fact, without the Spirit, you couldn't be saved. Because it's the Spirit that makes you alive in Christ. And so Paul says, look, I don't come with words of wisdom I'm not coming to look all prim and proper and be all fantastic, but I come with a demonstration of God's spirit power. This is God's spirit power at work. So that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, might not rest on your own intellect, your own understanding, your own wise words or wise thoughts, but it might rest on, on God, on Jesus, on this foundation instead. Paul had a tough time in Athens. He did. He used every bit of cultural wisdom and eloquence that he could muster up. And instead now he goes back to basics. You know, I think he remembers Jesus' words from Acts chapter 1, which says, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about for John baptized with water but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit and he goes on you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth Paul reminds us here that all you need is the Holy Spirit forget all the other stuff forget the 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 wisdom and just focus on the cross Jesus crucified and being filled with the Holy Spirit because he will guide you anyone here find evangelism easy Anyone find overcoming sin easy? Anyone find being loving, patient, kind, good and self-controlled easy? No, all of it we need to be, we need the Holy Spirit's help. You know, uh, the the way to be, to to learn to to live like Jesus, to grow in your faith with Jesus is not some kind of self-help guide. It's continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. Because you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Someone cleverer than me once said, This generation of lost people will only be reached by this generation of believers. This generation of lost people will only be reached by this generation of believers. Can't rely on the past. Can't rely on the future. It's us. If you know Jesus now, then God has given you a commission, a mandate to be his witness. And that can feel scary. I'll oh, flip. That I means me, mean, yeah. Yeah, it means you. And it means me. And it means all of us. We're called to be ambassadors. How are we going to do that? By being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not with not wise, clever words. Apologetics are good. I use apologetics sometimes. If you know what that means, great. If you don't, don't worry. It doesn't matter. But, but that, it's good sometimes. And what's more important is that we're filled with the Holy Spirit. We, that we know God, love him. Learn to, to know him. So what does he do? Well, the Holy Spirit, he leads people to Jesus. And so I mentioned about, back to basics, but in, um, in, so he starts off the first five verses, he talks about, you know, I don't come with wise words and I came to you in weakness and fear and trembling and um, my messages my, and my preaching were not of wise and persuasive words, but a demonstration of God's power. But then in verse six, he does say, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature. It's not like wisdom is, is rubbish. It's not like it's no good for anyone. But it is good for the mature. There is more for the mature. <laughs> it's just, you know, that's why. Back to basics, more for mature. MMs, BB, no? Okay, don't worry about it. Um, there's more for the mature. There's more for the mature in Christ. Well, what what is that? Well, um, the the uh, the Holy Spirit helps us to lead people to Jesus. It helps us to be led to Jesus and it helps us to lead people to Jesus. I mentioned that the the Bible says that it was when you were dead in your sins that God made you alive. And many people you see might be alive today in lots of different ways, but they're completely dead to the things of God. And dead people can't respond. But uh, I I mentioned it before, I'm going to bring it up again. Ephesians 2 says this, but because of his great love, For us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead, it's by grace you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show his incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it's by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It's a gift. It's a gift from God. For anyone to become a Christian, they need to be made alive with Christ. That and that is what we're called to do. Is we're called to lead them, to, um, to to share the gospel with them. But they, knowing that they can't do that without first being filled with the Holy Spirit. But what's great is that you don't, yeah, you don't have to be amazing at all the the apologetic stuff. All you need to do is be ready to respond to the Holy Spirit. That's why I, I want us to give it time to to be ready to respond. Because what it, what it means is that we can all be encouraged. We can be encouraged by these words from Paul because he, he saw amazing things, didn't he, in his lifetime? Amazing, amazing things. Amazing amount of people become Christians and yet his his advice to us, his foundation stone that he wants to lay in, in the church in Corinth and in us today is, hey, all that stuff is good, but... This is this is the key, and this is what I want you to press into. The more for the mature is not that we should somehow oh it's so good to be filled with the Holy Spirit once and now let's stop. You know, studying the Bible and get really clever and start doing lots of like I don't know clever sayings or studies and all this kind of stuff. They're good, but is more for the mature is is not to not do that. It's to continue to be filled with the Spirit and start to grow in maturity. And so, me and Catherine, we've got two daughters, and uh, when they were babies, we gave them milk. And uh, as they grow, we started to to wean them, and we gave them broccoli and some more exciting stuff, like chicken and whatever else. And... um, as they continue to grow, we had to teach them things like how to walk. And, and uh, sometimes they fall over and we have to pick them back up. And we have to be patient with them and we keep helping them. And sometimes it was painful when, the, when they did. We had to teach them how to wipe their own bums. And sometimes they get it right and sometimes they don't. We had to sort of teach them to ride their bikes. And, you know, th- there can be like an over-dependency because they want to they make sure that you're still there holding them. But we had to learn to, like, let go. They had to learn to, for us to let go. And we had to learn to make sure that we let them go. And, um, yeah, it can take a long time. And as they continue to grow, we're going to have to teach them all sorts of things, like how to handle friendships and relationships and how to handle their money and how to handle credit and how to, um, I don't know, appropriate use of mobile phones and social media. And There's all sorts of things that we're going to have to teach them. And we all start off, you know, in the same way as Christians. We start off as, as babies. But there is an expectation here by Paul that we would grow. That we would grow in maturity. That we would learn what it means, what sin means. We would learn what, what God's forgiveness means. That we would learn what it means to trust Jesus. And then, as we continue to grow, we would learn to read the Bible. We would learn to trust in the Holy Spirit and learn about His gifts. That we would learn about God's purpose for our lives. That we'd know what learn what it means to evangelize. That we'd then continue to learn and grow about um, how what it means to be a Christian in this world and in our jobs and how do we make decisions about where to live and how to to discern all the different thoughts that are out there in the world because in our passage it says as well that like um, there's there's all sorts of wisdom in the world but we gain our wisdom from the Holy Spirit. There is all sorts of different um, advice, wisdom, clever thoughts out there. Well, how do we navigate that? How do we manage that? How, how, you know, there's all sorts of things out there right now that will tell us, there's, there's wisdom out there that will tell you and me that we are here by accident. That we are a random bunch of smattering cells, that we, there was no purpose designed for us. That, it, that we we're just a mistake. That we, a bunch of cells come together, we'll live a bit, and then we'll die and go back in the ground and that's it. There is that wisdom out there. And that wisdom follows on logically. Therefore, that whilst you're in this life, because it's only this short period of time, YOLO. You only live once, so crack on, do what you like. And so, um, when they come across the Bible and, and the Bible says stuff like, "Hey, save sex till marriage," they're like, "What? That's foolishness." In fact, some Christians think it's foolishness too. Too, but um, they, they think, "What? That's ridiculous." If you've only got this short, and I, to be honest, I don't blame them. Because if that's my worldview, that this is all there is, this is a short amount of time, that I'm really just here by mistake, there's, nothing, there's no real purpose to my life, then why wouldn't I live like that? But when we become Christian and we're made alive in Christ and our minds are renewed, some, suddenly there is a different wisdom, that's wisdom of the Spirit, that helps us to see, ah, maybe there's a different way of life that God calls us to. And so he encouraged us to read the Bible, to, to get stuck into his word, to, to join a church. Hey, if you're not part of a church, join a church. It doesn't matter whether it's this one or another one, I'd love it to be this one. But wherever you go, join a church, get stuck in. That's so why it's good to get stuck into life groups, because you, you can't possibly get to know every single person in this room. But you could get to know a few people of different ages. And you learn to, to like uh, bounce off each other and help each other grow. That's so why it's good to to make sure that you're, you're like, um, yeah, reading God's word. And, you know, in my old house, um, we had grass. And um, the grass, if I stood there and tried to watch it, it rarely looked like it was growing. In fact, it never did. And, and yet, after a few weeks, I'd go back, and the grass was suddenly longer, and I'm like, oh, man, I need to cut the grass, because it's really long. And the fact is this, that when we are planted in good soil... When we spend our time in God's word daily, then we don't, you know, it, it won't be every day that you come across an amazing truth and wow, and you're in love with Jesus. No, often it's just, you know, kind of sitting there and you're mulling it, mulling it over and it's not revelation. But over a period of time, you see growth. You, you, you are unlocked into God's word in a new way. And, and, and so it's so important to be planted in good soil. And that's why I encourage you to be planted into the God's word. And that's why it's encouraging to be planted into church and be planted into life groups and be planted into students and 20s group and be, be gathering around people. Go along to the women's ministry. Go along to the men's ministry. We had a great time yesterday at the men's breakfast. And um, get, get stuck into all the things that God is calling you and don't be like the Corinthian church where Paul is like saying, oh, there was so much more that I wanted to go into with you guys, but you're still on milk because you're still quarrelling about these, these stupid things. And you might think, oh, well, we don't crawl anymore. Well, don't we? Sometimes we do. I haven't probably been here long enough to know what all the different quarrels are. But in our last church, there was quarrels all the time. I remember um, feeling real pressure. Uh, I, and I'll, I'll, I'll finish on this one. Real pre- you know when, we, when you become a parent, there was real pressure about the whole breastfeeding, bottle feeding. Real pressure on that one. Real pressure on the whole nappy thing. Disposable nappies or usable nappies? And real, real pressure on all sorts of things of life. And, you know, those things aren't in the Bible. There's some things that are in the Bible, like baptism. Is it right to get... Yes, yeah, right to get baptized. You can do that on the 10th of October. That's, you, can, you know, that's easy. Should I kill my wife? No, that's in the book. Don't, don't kill my wife. Okay. Should I go to church? Yes, it's in the book, go to church. Which church do I go to? Oh, well, that's not in the book. That's something that we discern by the Spirit. So it's important to be filled with the Spirit regularly and, And then you go along, you can discern for yourself, is this right? And uh, there's all sorts of things like that. And sometimes what we do as Christians, we bring our preferences and we start elevating them. We say, oh, this is what it means to be a Christian. You need to, when your baby poos, put that nappy in the wash, wash it, and then put it back on that baby. It's disgusting. But, you know, that's what some people say. Or when you have a baby, oh, you've, you've got to breastfeed it. You know, I was a teacher and I used to teach teenagers, and uh, I, I never got to year 11 and split the cast in half. You guys were all breastfed. You guys were all bottle fed. You just don't know. Everyone's fed. That's what you need to do as a parent. You need to feed your baby. And I've sort of banged on about that. I, I don't really want to. I don't, I, I don't really know what the culture is here in this church here. but what I do want to say is that our job is to, to feed and nourish and care for our children. The way you do that is up to you. You, you might be convicted about a particular way that you want to do that. That's absolutely fine. And someone else might be convicted about particular particular they want to do, and that's absolutely fine, and we love both. We care for everyone, we encourage everyone to, to discern what it is that the Holy Spirit is teaching them to, and we don't put our preference on them, because after all, we're not trying to make people like ourselves. Our job is not to build people in our own image. it's to take them to Jesus, and that's what this whole point is meant to be about. The Holy Spirit leads people to Jesus. It's easy to follow the wisdom of all the world but Paul's getting us all back to basics, saying the Holy Spirit is where we need to go. The Holy Spirit is what we need to focus on. The Holy Spirit is what we care about. And so I just, I love the band to come back up. And uh, it's a good thing that um, Paul was talking about that I didn't do all this with wise words and eloquence and all that kind of stuff, because I'm demonstrating that. You don't have to be all wise and eloquent. Uh, I apologize if I'm raffled. Uh, baffled, what? What's the word? Waffled? Waffled. <laughs> baffled? Raffled? Waffled, if I've waffled. Um, But what I do want to do is I want to give us an opportunity to respond. And um, for some reason, I know that in God's grace, there'll be people today who he has been speaking to. And it might be nothing to do with what I've been talking about. But there'll be things that God is just putting on your heart. Maybe he's just drawing you in. And he's saying, hey... I want you to know you're valued, you're cherished, you're loved. I want to feel your Holy Spirit. I want you to feel my power. Maybe you feel distant for a while and he's saying, you know what? I, I want to I come and encounter you. I want to show you that I'm with you and I'm for you. I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. Maybe you're in a situation at, in a workplace or something like that and you're just really struggling to share your faith. Maybe, maybe you just feel under pressure and you think, Lord, I need your strength to get through this week. You know, he wants to fill you the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're sick. Maybe you just you, you really could do some breakthrough and a healing. You know, the Holy Spirit heals. He can, he, he can, he can do that. He can heal you. I encourage you. You can, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit, and he can heal you. Maybe you just need a, a word from God. I'm sure that as I've been speaking as well, there's been people that have had pictures or or Bible verses that come to mind. And I encourage you that we are people of the Spirit, that God gives you these things to share for all of us, to be encouraged and edified. And so I'd love us to all stand. I think um, what we'll do is we'll start off just by focusing on Jesus. Maybe we can just sing a little bit, something short. we we'll just sing. And then we're going to give some time just to... I want to give you opportunities to respond. And so we're going to sing and... um, I'm just going to sing start off with a bit. In a minute, I'll I'll pop back up. And um, I want to give you a chance to respond. And that probably means coming down to the front and having some leaders, some life group leaders and, and myself and Johnny laying hands on you and praying for you. And so I just want you to consider, as we sing, is that you? Do you need to respond today to Jesus? might not be for anything I've talked about. It might be something that God is saying, will you trust me? Will you obey me? Will you be for me? Come on, let's, let's sing and then we'll lead us through. Thanks for listening. Please do come and visit us. Sundays, 10am at the Odeon Cinema in Guildford. We look forward to seeing you.